0: This is the black and blue report presented by ABC insurance agencies, a better choice for insurance now from studio B or wherever the saints or Pelicans might be. Here's Sean Kelly.
1: Welcome in everybody. Happy Thursday. This is the black and blue report, the podcast for saints and Pelicans fans. Sean Kelly, glad to be with you from Studio B today. That means I'm back in town. Uh, And, of course, the Saints are in action tonight on the road at Carolina. The Pelicans have big news today as well. We'll touch upon that. And uh, we will will set up two great guests for you on this uh, Thursday edition. The first guest we have today is uh, certainly going to finish off our preparations for tonight's Saints-Panthers game. That's Ian Eagle from the NFL on CBS and Westwood One. He is... Uh, the play-by-play man tonight for Westwood One's national radio broadcast of Thursday Night Football. And then on the basketball side, we're going to stay national. And uh, we welcome in Ben Gulliver from SI.com and Sports Illustrated for the first time. And we'll talk the NBA in general and a couple Pelicans-specific uh, topics today as well. But uh, as far as you know, tonight's football game goes, the more I've looked at the Saints and Panthers matchup tonight... First of all, it might be the best Thursday night game we've had on the schedule yet, and I'm not just saying that because, you know, we bleed a little black and gold around here, but this is a big game. I mean, a really big game, and certainly um, I'm not trying to over-dramatize the situation, but the winner of this game, and more so in the Saints case, the winner of this game really sets themselves up here for, I guess what you could consider, the, the stretch run Thanksgiving on uh, and the loser of this game tonight they might be out of the playoff picture altogether. Now of course the NFC South is a very interesting animal right now but you know the, if the Saints were to lose they'd be 4 and 6. If the Carolina Panthers were to lose they'd be 3 and 7. You start to look around the NFC a little bit and man, it's hard to figure out the math as to whether the loser of tonight's game can can find a way into the conversation rolling past Thanksgiving. But especially in the Saints sense if they win tonight, oh boy, oh boy, back to 5-5. Five and five. Another meeting still with Atlanta, two to go against Tampa Bay. You have a Rams team next week at home. Uh, look, the, the Saints are would be firmly in the conversation, uh, I guess more so for the division uh, as opposed to a wild card because, frankly, it's hard to project more than one team out of the NFC South right now. But I guess you kind of get the idea of where I'm going with this. This is going to be an edge-of-your-seat type thing tonight. And, and not just because of what's, what's at play here for the winner and the loser, but if you go back to meeting number one, which the Saints won by three, uh, it could be that kind of a finish yeah, here this evening as well. So we're very excited about tonight's game, at least in this studio. Right, Daniel? Right? Thumbs up. Two thumbs up, as a matter of fact. Uh, but anyway, it, it, it's good stuff. And, and, and I'm eager to talk to Ian Eagle about the game from his perspective tonight as well. Tough one for the Pelicans last night, obviously losing at Orlando. They have a big homestand this weekend, Portland tomorrow night, and uh, Charlotte on Saturday night. And we'll hope that Anthony Davis, who missed last night's game with a bruised thigh, is able to go in some capacity this weekend at home. And then the other big news is Drew Holiday's return. There's a press conference this afternoon uh, at the practice facility, and then Drew is back in action tomorrow night against the Trailblazers. Uh, Drew will probably talk about this more today. Alvin Gentry certainly will. Uh, but what kind, of, what kind of a role or what kind of a load can Drew Holiday handle here, even in just this first weekend, back for him on a game floor? Speaking of Alvin Gentry, the Alvin Gentry Show is tonight. I'll give you the details on that before we get about it, out of here on this Thursday. But I don't want to delay any longer in getting to two fantastic guests today. As I mentioned, Ben Goliver from Sports Illustrated and SI.com. But coming up next, Ian Eagle from Westwood One and CBS Uh, to talk about tonight's Saints-Panthers matchup.
2: Win the night for the entire family with a Pierre's Party Pack. Ticket packages are available for select Pelicans home games throughout the season and include three or more tickets, combo meals, and an on free-throw experience with Pierre the Pelican, all for as low as $48. The next Pierre's Party Pack night is Saturday, November 19th against the Charlotte Hornets. For more information and to plan your next winning night out with the gang, visit pelicans.com today.
0: is only a suggestion. Physics is just a theory. Impossible is merely an opinion. Monster Jam, celebrating 25 years of adrenaline-charged family entertainment. Monster Jam, presented by Metro PCS and your Southern Quality Ford dealers, and brought to you locally by Chick-fil-A of New Orleans. Tickets start at $15. Prices subject to market demand. Additional fees apply. Coming to the Mercedes-Benz Superdome January 28th. Get tickets at monsterjam.com. It's Saints game day. This is the Black and Blue Report.
1: Welcome back. Let's head out to Charlotte for our first guest on today's Black and Blue Report. Charlotte, of course, where tonight's football game between the Saints and the Panthers will be played. And uh, ready to go in Charlotte for the call tonight on Westwood One Radio for a national audience is our good friend Ian Eagle to help us prepare for kickoff this evening. Ian, great to have you back and as always thanks again for joining us.
3: You got it Sean, always great to talk to you.
1: Your thoughts on what we're going to possibly see tonight between the Saints and the Panthers. What's uh, what's the first blush here?
3: Well the first blush is how they handle the agony of a week ago because not only New Orleans, I know the Saints fans are very familiar with what happened against Denver, but Carolina Panthers, that was a devastating loss. They had a 17-point lead. They were up 14 in the fourth quarter. Cam Newton had a brutal interception throwing off his back foot that Eric Berry, his former nemesis from high school, took back for a touchdown. And even with all that said, the smoke cleared. They had the football with about 28 seconds left. They hit on a slant pattern to Kelvin Benjamin, and he has the ball just taken away from him, Take it away. Fumble recovery in field goal range. Cairo Santos makes the field goal, and uh, that's all she wrote for a Carolina team that felt as if they had turned the corner, had won back-to-back games, got off to the rough start, 1-5. and Uh, Looked good at times in that game against Kansas City, but ultimately just kind of shows you where this team is at, how quickly things can change in the NFL they caught all the breaks a year ago. You go 15-1, and one, a magic carpet ride for the Panthers, nearly able to ride that wave to a championship. And now here they are a year later, and uh, they're in full desperation mode right now. So New Orleans is walking into an environment where Carolina has no margin for error, especially after the loss to KC.
1: You had a front-row seat to that, and, and your, your finger on their pulse is so uh, timely and accurate. You know, when you see a team like in the position that the Carolina Panthers are in right now, does that make them dangerous tonight or does it make them very vulnerable in your eyes?
3: to respect the talent level clearly this team still has a lot of ability there weren't wholesale changes from last year to this year the biggest name josh norman no longer with the team he did bring an edge he brought a certain intensity to their defense and they're missing that in the secondary they're working with two very young corners right now who held up pretty well against kansas city alex smith was not converting on big plays the offense did not lead the way For the Chiefs, Uh, the Chiefs got big plays on the defensive side of the ball. I mentioned the Berry play, the Marcus Peters fumble recovery. Uh, That's where Kansas City really had their way with Carolina in the second half. I would tell you that this is still a dangerous team. Uh, I don't think that uh, this team is ready to just hang it up for the year and uh, go through the motions. Ron Rivera is well-respected, well-liked by his players. Uh, they'll be ready to play. Uh, I don't expect this to be a complete free fall from Carolina. So I would go with the former. I think uh, New Orleans is walking into a, a very tough situation given the circumstances.
1: Ian, what's the narrative then regarding the four and five Saints?
3: Yeah, I think nationally they piqued curiosity when they went on their mini run. The offense had been cooking. Uh, defensively, I actually liked what I saw last week against Denver, the six sacks stood out, six different players. So the fact that Dennis Allen is spreading it around, they brought the blitz probably more than they ever have this season on nearly half their defensive snaps. They were bringing pressure. So the way things ended might change a little bit of the optic, but if you dig a little deeper with New Orleans, they're playing much better football, certainly much improved than the team that we saw early in the year. They've already proven they can put up big points against this Carolina team. We expect it to be a bit different with the game in Charlotte, although the Panthers have not played well at home. That's been a huge issue for a team that went 8-0 and undefeated last season, had home field advantage throughout the playoffs until the Super Bowl, took advantage of that, and this year they're just, they're just not creating the same kind of buzz that they had a year ago in that area of the country. Uh, with that said, with New Orleans, I think they're still in it. Uh, here's the thing about Atlanta, and Sean, you've been around it for so long now. Uh, Last year, the Falcons went on a very similar run. Uh, They looked to be a playoff team, and then they fell apart. I don't think it's a repeat of last year, but you still see the weaknesses on defense and the fact that they have to just go out and outscore everybody. I know New Orleans has had to deal with very similar questions, but I think this Saints defense has good speed. They're utilizing their players well. Uh, they've dealt with some injuries on special teams, and obviously the Delvin Bro injury is, is a big one for them. But I, I still think there's upside here. Uh, I believe that this team is capable of making it interesting in the NFC South. I don't think Atlanta just runs away and hides for the division crown.
1: I, and there are those uh in the fan base who kind of lean toward doomsday and they say that this game is so big tonight that if New Orleans were to lose we're heading for a repeat of last year a team that battled to get to 500 and then ended up 7 and 9 yeah. uh, is that being overly dramatic at this point or are they onto something uh,
3: it's not being overly dramatic but I I do think you have to look at the way this season has progressed Uh, In their division, while Atlanta has shown that uh, they're the team to beat, they still haven't shown that they can win the big game in the big moment. Mm -hmm. So to me, it it has, yes, some to do with New Orleans, but it also has a lot to do with with Atlanta, the team that they're chasing. Tampa Bay has shown signs of life. Carolina rolled through the division last year, and we already detailed their capabilities and what's on the line for them. So uh, I'm looking at all the parameters here for New Orleans, and I don't think a loss here ends their season by any stretch. Uh, there's, there's still going to be opportunities in this division. Atlanta's got the head start, as we know, they built up that lead, uh, but their questions defensively are still going to pop up. If you're a Saints fan, uh, I know that you look at your team through the eyes of a microscope, but you also have to look at what's happening around you and even the way the nfc uh, has been set up surprising to me that the nfc east has been as good as they've been and obviously the dallas cowboys have been the biggest story of the nfl this season with a rookie at quarterback a rookie at running back uh, the fact that tony romo has diffused that situation with his words that were well thought out and well delivered and it just shows you that they're all in in dallas Uh, that's That's been a huge story and and I'm fortunate that I get to see it firsthand on Sunday. I'm doing Dallas and and Baltimore on the TV side.
1: Oh, wow. What a great assignment that is going to be. Keeping in mind what you said about the Saints defense, if you look just at tonight's game, what are the biggest challenges facing Dennis Allen's unit?
3: Well, normally if you look at Carolina, uh, they've been so strong running the football right up the middle. They've got a incredibly physical runner in Jonathan Stewart. But the numbers are down, and a big part of that has to do with Ryan Khalil, the fact that they're not getting the same push. They had to shift things around with Remmers playing at left tackle, Michael Orr still in the concussion protocol. We're talking about 50-plus days now that Michael Orr has been in that situation. So Darrell Williams is playing the right tackle. They're just not running the football nearly as effectively as we know they're capable of. Downfield for Newton, uh, we see flashes with Devin Funches, had a touchdown last week. Kelvin Benjamin uh, has not been consistently putting up the big numbers, hasn't been in the end zone uh, for six consecutive weeks. Their guy is still Greg Olson. Uh, That's who Newton relies on. That's his safety valve, and to be honest, that's the force he made in the pick to Eric Berry, I just think he always believes that Greg Olson is going to win one-on-one matchups, no matter who he's going against, and that proved to be a, a fatal decision by by Cam Newton for their potential playoff hopes because they're in a deeper hole right now than New Orleans. Uh, the concerns uh, will be with Newton himself and how he responds. Uh, you know, I think sitting down with him last week, uh, he's definitely sick and tired of talking about all the hits, uh, that's for sure. Uh, it's something he's created because he came out and and spoke about it publicly in a forum that he knew would get a lot of attention and garnered a phone call from Roger Goodell. Uh, and he has taken some brutal hits this year. Uh, that's, that's not out of thin air. That's real. Uh, the tape doesn't lie. Uh, there are officials that for whatever reason, do not see Cam Newton in the same light as they do other quarterbacks. And I'm not just talking about star quarterbacks like Tom Brady and Drew Brees. I'm talking about Tyrod Taylor and others who have had the benefit of getting calls their way. Newton's such a big guy. and It's very similar to, to Ben Roethlisberger. When we've sat down with him and asked him about some of the hits that he takes in the pocket, uh, he'll be the first to say, hey, I know I'm a big guy. I know I'm tough to bring down. I also benefit from the fact that I'm tough to bring down because there are officials that will hold off to wait and see how the play goes. Because Ben has been a Houdini in so many different uh, examples. And I think Cam Newton is going through a similar experience right now. Officials don't really know how to call the game with him in there. And it's been a problem, but he's trying to move off that. Uh, He certainly tried to de-emphasize that in our meeting. Uh, I don't think he's having a whole lot of fun right now. Losing isn't fun, we know that. But even just the uh, reaction to what happened after the Super Bowl, there, there was a bit of a hangover with him individually and with this Carolina team. And we've seen it play out on Sundays. They're, they're just not the same group. It's not the same spirit that we saw a year ago.
1: Hmm. Ian Eagles with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Two questions left for you, Ian, and then I know you've got to get some work done and, uh, and your body ready for uh, the, the, the ball game. Um, <laughs> That's right. Let, let, me, let me ask you this. You've seen Roethlisberger in person, and you just nailed it with him. You've seen Cam in person already. Now you'll see Drew Brees in person for this season. I know you've seen him in the past up sure. close. Uh, but when you look at the first nine games and what Breeze has done this season, uh, what else needs uh, does does Breeze need to do to impress? Whether it's you or anybody else, what's next for him?
3: Nothing, uh, truly nothing. I have the ultimate respect for him as a player, as a competitor, as a person, as a teammate, as a leader. You name it. You know, I think we've got to change the way that we view the numbers based on the fact that we're in an offensive league now more than ever before. I work with one of the great quarterbacks of all time, Dan Fouts. Those numbers that he put up with San Diego and Air Coryell stood out because other teams weren't producing them. Uh, it was a bit of an anomaly at the time uh, because the league wasn't set up that way. The league now is, uh, is very different, and the passing game is the key. Uh, that's If you look at, at any team that's going to go out and win consistently in this league, you better have the quarterback that can do it. Denver last year was the rare example of a team that didn't have to have great quarterback play to go out and win the whole enchilada. I think Brees will be remembered uh, the way that he should be, bringing a championship to the city of New Orleans, Uh, dealing with some adversity with his injury when San Diego wanted to move on, and they did, and it came down to New Orleans and Miami, and it very well could have been Nick Saban and Drew Brees winning multiple championships in South Florida. It didn't go that way. Brees signs with the Saints, and the rest is history. The numbers you have to look at in context. He's a Hall of Famer, first ballot. Uh, And then the other part of the equation, Sean, is – the way we have to change our brain for the day and age we live in where these athletes can stay in tremendous shape 12 months a year. They eat right. They hire the right people around them, even during the off season and the 37 year number for a quarterback or 38 or 39 or 40 Tom Brady. I know people think he's joking when he says, I want to play for, he said another 10 years. He said that two years ago. That would have made him 46, 47. He's not joking. He's not playing around. He believes he can do this. And until there's a drop off in the skills, why wouldn't you? If you're Breeze, if you're Brady, uh, we know that Manning basically took it to the bitter end. Brett Favre kept coming back because he still thought he had something in that right arm of his. Uh, We've got to change the way we look at that position and the people that play it. If you're special, and you can maintain your health, uh, you're going to play to a point where there's a four in the number, and it's going to be 40-41, potentially 42-43, based on how well you take care of yourself and how lucky you are avoiding major injuries.
1: Incredible. No doubt. Uh, Let me me try and help you wrap our visit here, if you don't mind. Uh, When you hit the airwaves tonight on Westwood 1, Ian, in, in kind of summing up what we've talked about and, and, and out of your game notes, give me your, your scene set tonight, that first thought that you and your partner will present in getting ready for kickoff.
3: Well, my partner is Tony Baselli, And, Sean, I believe that we have set the record for the largest physical disparity between play-by-play man and color commentator <laughs> in NFL broadcasting history. He is a mammoth man. And he just lost 80 pounds, and he's still huge. And he's a great guy, and he's a great guy to work with. So uh, Tony and I will be on the call tonight uh, in Charlotte. Uh, the The lead is obvious. Uh, so much on the line here for these two teams, trying to stay alive, trying to remain relevant in the NFC South and how they handle Uh, the nightmarish circumstances that they faced a week ago a bizarre loss for new orleans the way that that transpired and a collapse for a team that could do basically no wrong a year ago and the idea that this carolina squad a reminder in the nfl the dichotomy from year to year is incredible it's the one league in the four major sports where you can go worst to first and nobody is surprised and you can go from first to worst, and it's the same scenario. So a heartbreaking losses for both teams, how they handle it, and how much does Carolina have left in the tank? How motivated are they to make this season turn into something positive? I know that New Orleans is. I think New Orleans is still trending up. Uh, the question that you asked earlier is the key one with Carolina. Uh, are, they, are they still capable of, of revisiting the team that we saw from 2015, or have they just hit uh, that point where it's not working and uh, these players uh, don't have the answers?
1: Ty and Eagle with us here on the Black and Blue Report. All Saints fans outside of southeast Louisiana will have Ian and Tony tonight on the Westwood One network of radio stations for the national radio call of Thursday Night Football. Ian, it is always a pleasure, and we uh, treasure your visit today. I appreciate it very much. Enjoy the ball game, Sean,
3: the pleasure. is mine, and I look forward to seeing you soon, bud.
1: Don't miss any of the New Orleans Pelicans action this season. Pick the four games that are right for you. The Pelicans pick four plan presented by Domino's guarantees seats to see Anthony Davis and your New Orleans Pelicans take on the biggest names in the NBA, including matchups against Golden State and Cleveland. Packages start as low as $40 and come with a free medium one topping pizza from Domino's. To pick your four games, visit pelicans.com today. Got a long day ahead? Power on with Smoothie King's new coffee
0: high protein smoothies. It's a nutritious breakfast blended to shift your morning into high gear with delightfully smooth cold brewed coffee for your mind and at least 30 grams of protein for your body. Try all four energizing flavors, vanilla, almond mocha, raspberry mocha and cinnamon latte and power on your day. New coffee high protein smoothies, coffee for your mind and protein for your body. Only at Smoothie King, smoothies with a purpose.
3: Hi, Vincent Palumbo here. Terminex is the home of the $650 Lifetime Termite Repair Guarantee. Terminex provides termite protection and pest control. Call Terminex for all your pest problems. 834-7330.
2: Auctioner believes the best way to predict the future is to invent it. Here, our doctors and staff are changing lives day after day.
3: Every week, I'm operating on babies who are days old with hearts smaller than walnuts. We're giving these kids a life they wouldn't otherwise have, a chance to grow up.
2: Sometimes cancer patients come who were told they were out of options, but Auctioner has the most clinical trials in the state. It's amazing to be able to give second chances.
3: We're always a step ahead, even with simple things, like getting you in to see a doctor today versus a week from now, so what you have doesn't become something bigger. It makes a difference.
2: Every day, auctioner is creating a better future by looking forward and thinking differently to find life-changing solutions. That's healthcare with peace of mind. Appointments are available today. Call 866-OCHSNER or visit Ochsner.org.
0: We're talking Pelicans basketball on the Black and Blue Report.
1: Time to talk some hoops uh, here on this Thursday. We're pushing up football tonight, but Pelicans are in between games, and the league still has its uh, Thursday night slate this evening. And we're pleased to welcome in for the first time Ben Gulliver from Sports Illustrated and SI.com. He covers the NBA on a national basis. He's also done it at the team level, too, and maybe we'll talk about that a little bit as well. First of all, Ben, thanks for uh, joining us today, and uh, glad to have you.
4: Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: It's an interesting start to the season, and um, some of the storylines that I thought, Ben, were going to be prominent maybe aren't, and some of the storylines that I didn't think had a whole lot of merit early on may have some at this point. What is your... What is your uh, your take here, your temperature on the first, uh, say, month of the league?
4: Well, I think if we start at the top, it's pretty much what we expected, right? I mean, and that goes for Golden State and that go- goes for Cleveland, and I think that actually goes for the Clippers, too, in terms of sort of uh, teams that we had kind of penciled into that contender category, really kind of playing to expectations. You know, I think with the Warriors, defensively, they're not at all where they need to be, but that's not a huge surprise because they lose their two centers inside uh, over the summer. Uh, offensively, they look like they can blow everybody off the court at a moment's notice, uh, and that's not really a surprise either because they added Kevin Durant. In Cleveland, I see a team that, number one, is very confident and has no championship hangover. I mean, they are just hit the ground running this season, uh, and, and they're displaying much better chemistry, I think, uh, between themselves as players, but then also with their coaching staff. Uh, if you contrast it with last season, where they were still working through some things with David Blatt, and also had to start the season without a Kyrie Irving. So I think it's smooth sailing for the defending champs. And then the Clippers, uh, you know, up until you know a tough loss to the, the Grizzlies last night, were just really, really, really flying high uh, and looking like they could be a legitimate threat uh, to the Golden State Warriors. And I think the the main issue around them is just the continuity factor of having their starting five together. Uh, those guys have. Uh, you know, haven't been playing perfect basketball. I mean, there's still turnovers. Uh, there's still moments where, uh, you know, somebody's not quite standing where you, you would expect. I mean, that that tends to, you know, kind of uh, uh, go with the game there early in the season. But still, they've got so much talent with Blake Griffin back healthy, with Chris Paul really playing at a high level again. Uh, so to me, you know, they're kind of making that case that maybe they're the best team in the West to kind of push Golden State. Uh, but that's not super surprising either, just because they're bringing most of their important guys back and they made some pretty smart offseason additions. Uh, so, when I'm looking at surprises, you really have to kind of dig past that top level uh, of teams and contenders because th- those teams are kind of going smoothly. I'd say probably Boston struggles early uh, due to health. Uh, I would throw that into the surprise category. And then I would also, you know, maybe a team like Washington, uh, where they-, they should be in the mix, you know, pretty solidly in the Eastern Conference. Uh, you know, making a push for you know a playoff spot, and already they fall pretty badly off the pace. So those are, those are two teams I think I'd probably circle as surprises.
1: Ben, let's stay in the Eastern Conference. I want to ask you about two teams. Number one, and maybe I was short-sighted on this, I'm a little bit surprised at the impact that Dwight Howard has had upon the Atlanta Hawks and the kind of start that they're having.
4: Yeah, for sure. Well. The surprising part to me about the Hawks is that they hit the ground running and it didn't take more time to adjust. Because when you go from a style, you know, a player like Horford, who's really a stretch five, you know, a very modern kind of mold uh, in terms of being able to step out at the three point line consistently, uh, being super versatile in you know, multiple positions, uh, and you can play both the four and the five, you can use them in all sorts of different lineup uh, configurations. And then you, you know, go all the way the other direction to Dwight Howard, who's a very pure kind of traditional five. Uh, you know he can work into pick and rolls and, and he's pretty mobile when he's healthy. Uh, but this is not a guy who's going to be running around the perimeter for you. The fact that they're able to kind of make that transition smoothly right off the bat, uh, that was surprising to me. But as always with Dwight Howard, I'm kind of still in you know preaching caution mode because number one, health wise, you know consistently for multiple years we've seen him break down uh, over one thing or another. Uh, you know, I think one aspect of Atlanta summer that they're really going to have to wrap their uh, hands around is if he does go down for any length of time, they're going to have a really hard time filling those minutes because they're, they're kind of thin in a five spot. Uh, and so they have to start playing either really small, using Paul Millsap as a center, or they really have to kind of like throw it together with duct tape. So I'm kind of uh, not ready to jump onto that Hawks bandwagon quite yet until I can see a little bit more evidence that Dwight's going to be out there, say, for 65 or, or 70 games. Um, but you know, one thing that we've seen actually in the past with a guy like Paul Millsap too, when you do move from the Western Conference to the Eastern Conference, a lot of those guys who are sort of on the fringe All-Star bubble, uh, you know, maybe they they don't make it in the Western Conference or they're not quite talked about as much in the West. When they go back to the Eastern Conference, all of a sudden it's like they're the best player at their positions and they're looking unstoppable. And now they're getting this All-Star buzz and their numbers spike through the roof. Uh, And so I do think, you know, especially among the very top-level players, uh, the Western Conference is still deeper than the Eastern Conference, uh, and so maybe we should have anticipated a little bit of a bump from Dwight just because of that.
1: Yeah, very interesting point there. Uh, Ben, on Saturday, I'm going to see the uh, Fighting Kembas, uh, Kemba Walker and the Charlotte Hornets for the first time. I got to think that they're pretty pleased with the way that they've started out over in Charlotte, and and if you don't mind, I I hope that you've uh, been able to observe them more than I have. What what are – folks here are going to see when that team arrives in new orleans on saturday night
4: well i think it's kind of a a, maybe a poor man's version would be too strong but it's kind of a lesser version of the the basic principles you're really seeing succeed at a lot of different places around the league and i think actually you know some of the principles that you know alvin gentry would like to install uh, in new orleans if he had all of his players healthy right i mean number one uh Charlotte does a very good job of spacing the court offensively. They've pretty much gotten rid of all of their traditional centers. So a guy like Al Jefferson – and they just basically let him walk in free agency. And they've replaced him with, you know, really mobile big men who are not getting in the way, right? So they're out on the, th- the perimeter. And you might have guys like Cody Zeller, Frank Kaminsky. I mean, those guys are kind of all over the court. And that really creates a lot of room for a Kemba Walker to go one-on-one off the dribble. It creates a lot of uh, room for a guy like Nicholas So you know, He's really a secondary playmaker. Uh, on the wing there but now he's got more room to operate He's got a little bit more freedom to do his thing and and all of a sudden he looks a little bit better offensively uh so the spacing is really good they've improved their shooting from the last couple of years uh you know continue to really make that a focus uh and so that you know helps other guys you know similar to the spacing issues like you're, if you're getting more open shots uh you're, you're going to shoot better and then i think also there's just really been a real commitment to ball movement with them. Uh, It's not the pound, 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 Kemba Walker game that we remember seeing from say three or four years ago, where, you know, this guy is trying to take really tough hero type shots on a night to night basis, because he's sort of the, the only thing they've got going. Uh, They've got a really pretty balanced attack uh, one through five. And, Uh, they just play basketball in kind of a fun way. I mean, they look like they kind of enjoy each other. And what's really impressive is a lot of their players got really paid this off season. I mean, they got big new contracts. So sometimes you expect those guys to maybe take a step back or maybe even uh, unintentionally play with a little bit more selfishness, just trying to get their own numbers a little bit. Uh, And we really haven't seen that so far from Charlotte. They're really doing a good job sticking to the team concept. Uh, Steve Clifford, is really known for his defense uh, and, and those philosophies as well. He's got those guys playing hard on that end. Uh, so they're the kind of team where they don't necessarily have that really big superstar talent, but they're a tough out. I mean, you really don't want to have to play them in the playoffs because they're smart, they're pretty disciplined, uh, and they're really going to you know, come at you pretty hard.
1: Ben Golover here with us uh, on, from Sports Illustrated on the Black and Blue Report. Ben, I may as well ask you about the other team on this on this home stand coming up here for the Pelicans, and that would be your home state team. Uh, The Portland Trailblazers, a team that the Pelicans will see twice (laughs) in a week. Um, They're so I don't want to say they're so far off the radar, but I've been I've been zeroing in on other things and, and maybe having given them some time. And I will do that in the next 24 hours. You know, is Portland in a good spot right now or is this not a good spot right now for for that team and their fans?
4: Well, as we're talking, they're seven and five, and that's a pretty solid record, especially in the Northwest, where you've got a lot of competition. You yeah. know, Utah and Oklahoma City, Portland—all three of those teams think they can win that division. Uh, but if you talk to the Blazers fans, they're stressed out right now, and, and which is funny because if they were seven and five at this time last year, when everybody had completely written them off, they would have been overjoyed to be seven and five. But that just kind of shows you the expectations game. Uh, I think some of the issues that they're having uh, is well, Alvaro Camino. Uh, has been injured he's been a really key important player for them when they go to small ball lineups he really makes life easier for Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum they're two big scores and he's also basically their best uh defensive player he might be you know out of their top like eight or nine guys I mean he might be the only one who's a true plus defensive player uh in that rotation so they're really feeling the effects of him being out with a hamstring and it's kind of changed uh it's changed their whole look. I mean, they're they're basically just getting the shootouts every single night because they uh, they can't stop anybody. Uh, and so that makes them, you know, very dependent on both Lillard and McCollum to do lots and lots of scoring for them. And on some nights, you know, that works out very well. Uh, you know, Lillard can easily go for 40 on any given night and carry a team. But there's other nights where, you know, lots of three-pointers kind of catch up to you. You don't hit those shots. You know, maybe he only has 20, uh, and, and that winds up being a loss. So it's been a really inconsistent play for them early on, and the other issue they're dealing with is, uh, you know, they gave Evan Turner a lot of money this summer, uh, and they've kind of installed him as their key sixth man. And I think the goal was he was really going to help them uh, run the offense, have the ball in his hands a lot. Uh, but the problem is it's been a real stylistic uh, misfit. Uh, he likes to play slow and deliberately, and really, you know, take his time in possessions and, and try to figure out where the best angle might be. And Uh, that's not Portland's system. I mean, Portland's system has been about quick passes, moving the ball, everybody's cutting hard, uh, trying to find open shots, uh, you know, playing with a lot of speed. And so, uh, if you look at his plus-minus numbers, when he's on the court, Portland has really, really struggled. They haven't really found the chemistry in that second unit yet. So, it becomes one of these situations where the starters run up to a lead, uh, the second unit goes in, they give the whole lead back, and now the starters have to come back in and kind of build it again. And So, uh, again, it kind of reinforces that uh, inconsistency factor. So, uh, you know I think Portland, uh, you know still probably feels like it hasn't really uh, scratched the surface of what it's capable of this season. Um, and they're definitely a dangerous team on any given night, especially if you don't have a really quality point guard to to slow down Lillard. Uh, but they have some holes defensively. They have some holes with that offensive fit like I mentioned, uh, and they're still really trying to figure things out.
1: Ben, I've got two crystal ball questions for you to finish up, and they'll require probably a short answer on your part. Uh, and I know it, it's not all that fair because we haven't even hit Thanksgiving yet. But if you don't mind, two crystal ball questions. Number one is give me a team, whether it be Eastern Conference or Western Conference, that was not a playoff team last year that will be this year. Ooh,
4: that's a great question. You know, I think that uh, coming into the season, um, I think a lot of people in the West really figured that was going to be sort of Minnesota's spot. Uh, I think uh, the team in the West I'm probably going to ready to pencil in would be Utah. You know, I, I think that they're, they're kind of in a, a cluster right now. Uh, but I think they have the depth, uh, the veteran experience that they had this summer, uh, and just the balance uh, across the five positions to really make that happen. And I think another team to watch actually is the Lakers because they're playing with such love for the game that it could be a situation where that just kind of carries them through the season. I mean, every time I watch them, I kind of expect them to fall off a little bit. Uh, It's like, okay, maybe the party's going to, you know, the lights are going to go on, the party's going to end. But they continue to really be impressive under uh, Luke Walton. So I think in the West, I'd go Utah, probably followed by the Lakers. Um, In the East, uh, it's just such a kind of a quagmire right now. I think, you know, probably I would lean – toward maybe in Milwaukee, but I also think uh, Orlando, You know, they're still struggling under new coach Frank Vogel, but they've already you know, put together a good number of wins so far this season. The offense is often very ugly, but I think they've got enough defensive pieces now where uh, they should be able to hold up pretty well during the second half of the season, kind of lock some of those uh, teams that are you know, kind of losing teams or maybe headed for the lottery down the stretch, kind of lock those teams up with their defense and grind out some victories. And so I wouldn't actually be surprised if they jumped in the, into the playoffs uh, after you know a pretty long playoff drought. So I guess I'm circling a few teams. In the West, Utah, L.A., uh, in the East, I think Milwaukee's got a nice chance to bounce back. And they've kind of been on that bungee jumping cord of, you know, in the playoffs, out of the playoffs, in the playoffs uh, these last couple of seasons. And I have liked what I've seen from them so far. Uh, Orlando maybe would be my uh, sleeper pick for that category in the East.
1: All right, good stuff. Last crystal ball question is this. The Pelicans here are awfully excited to get Drew Holiday back for a variety of reasons this weekend. Tyreek Evans soon to follow. Um, if if those folks and the current folks uh, were all to stay healthy, could the Pelicans make a run at being one of those teams you just referred to, or is the hole that's been created this early season going to be too big to climb out of? Well, I
4: think the, the way, if you're Alvin Gentry, you, you kind of pitch it as, okay, guys, we can't, we can't get those first 10-12 games back. So what can we do here? And I think he's just going to cross his fingers and hope that he gets, what, 65 games from all three of those guys. And if he does, that should be a competitive team that could you know, be better uh, both on paper and in reality than a team like Dallas that's really struggling this season or a team like Phoenix that just doesn't really have the, the kind of talent in their prime uh, of guys like Evans, Anthony Davis, uh, and Holiday, who I would all consider in their prime, even though Davis is very young, I think basically right now, from age, you know, for him, from age 22 to 30 is probably going to be his prime. I mean, he's that good, uh, so that that gives them a leg up on a team like that too. Uh, Minnesota has really struggled to close games. I mean, they've shown the signs of their lack of experience early on. And Sacramento, to me, you know, watching them in person a couple times this season, uh, I mean, they're they're not a team who you can say. Uh, with any confidence that they're going to be there in the playoff picture. There could be a Demarcus Cousins trade. Uh, there's always just kind of ongoing stability issues there. So uh, when you look up and down the standings in the West, you know, towards the bottom half right now, uh, yes, New Orleans has dug itself a deep hole, but I don't think you should write their entire season off yet necessarily. But the fact is that they've had really tough health luck with their main guys, you know, at coming into this point of the season. And if they really want to make a run and be serious about it, they basically have to have perfect availability from those three guys the rest of the way. Uh, and if they do, uh, that could get pretty interesting pretty quickly. Um, and I'm sure Anthony Davis is probably to really throw a party uh, for both holiday and Evans when they get back on the court. Uh, and I think, you know, for Pelicans fans and also just for observers like myself, uh, I mean, their watchability is going to increase dramatically when those two guys are back on the court instead of just saying, okay, this is sort of a wounded team that uh, the opponent should kind of put away, it's like, all right, they actually have their hands kind of uh, you know, untied from behind their back, and they're ready to make this a game. So I'm certainly looking forward for it. Uh, I think if I had to bet on it, uh, long story short, I think they've probably dug themselves a little bit too deep of a hole to, to get all the way back into that playoff push. But uh, you can talk yourself into it. I think it's only like four and a half games, maybe five games for them. Uh, you go on a run there with all the guys healthy, and that could get pretty interesting pretty
1: quickly. Yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of with you, and I'm kind of you know I think that's what I'm excited about is whether or not to see if they can even do it. Not if, it, not not whether they'll do it, but if and and what that process would look like. Ben, you brought your A game today, uh, and I really appreciate it. Um, enjoy enjoy the games upcoming here, and before you know it, we'll be toward Christmas, and you know what that means: serious NBA time coming up. <laughs>
4: No doubt. I can't wait. And, and
1: thanks for having me. Yep, Ben Golliver, you can find him at SI.com, Sports Illustrated as well. Hey Ben, real quick, on Twitter, are you there?
4: Yeah, at Ben Golliver, B-E-N-G-O-L-L-I-V-E-R. And also our uh you know sports Illustrated NBA accounts so now called the Crossover, so just at the crossover, nice
1: and easy. Easy, very easy to remember. That's for sure. All right, that'll do it for our NBA uh, segment today. We'll wrap up today's black and blue report in just a moment.
0: You're at a dinner party. You're seated next to a loudmouth. Plus, there's no bread. Why is there no bread? Myrtle the family chow chow seems very interested in you. But you're allergic to Myrtle and you left your inhaler at home. But it doesn't have to be this way. Win the night with the New Orleans Pelicans facing off against the Portland Trailblazers Friday, November 18th. Free sunshade courtesy of Smoothie King for the first 8,000 fans. Visit Pelicans.com for tickets and win the night.
3: Hi, Vincent Palumbo here. Terminex is the home of the $650 lifetime termite repair guarantee. Terminex provides termite protection and pest control. Call Terminex for all your pest problems.
2: 834-7330. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, the hearty way to fuel your game, and the official soup of the New Orleans Saints.
1: I'm Jerry Robinson, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report. As I promised you earlier, I want to give you the details about tonight's Alvin Gentry show, of which you can catch a good portion of it before Saints kickoff. But for those of you really dialed in on the Pelicans, you'll want to spend the whole hour with Daniel Salerson tonight from 7 p.m. until 8 p.m. for the Alvin Gentry show. We'll, of course, hear from Alvin Gentry, but we've got a lot more to cover in that hour, including your calls and comments, conversation with you about where the Pelicans stand going into this homestand, at the Smoothie King Center this weekend. And, again, that will be from 7 p.m. until 8 p.m. on the flagship station of the New Orleans Pelicans Radio Network. That's 99.5 W-R-N-O. Speaking of Pelicans, before we uh, go on this Thursday, I do want to share with you a visit I had with Pelicans assistant coach Robert Pack um, last night in Orlando. He has uh, an event tomorrow with the Robert Pack Foundation, and, and this, is a, this is kind of, I wouldn't say a launching or – but maybe a great starting point for a mentoring and life skills program that he's doing with some area youth that will uh, progress through the season. So if you don't mind, uh, I'd like for you to have a listen and uh, hear what Coach Pack not only is doing tomorrow before the Blazers game, but going forward with uh, some of our area youth pelicans assistant coach in new orleans native robert pack is with us as our guest and uh we need to talk to him because when the pelicans finally come back home on friday night he's got a special program lined up even before the game tips off at the smoothie king center the robert pack foundation along with some special help will be hosting a number of area youth for a life skills and mentoring uh afternoon slash evening coach it sounds like a great great opportunity
5: i I think it is um well we Coming from the city myself and, and, and being in, you know, going through poverty and, and, and tough situations, um, we know these, there's a lot of, numer, number of kids out there that, that can use the assistance. Mm-hmm. So I think being able to pull these kids into this program and allow them to experience different opportunities um, that will allow them to be successful in the future is, is, is something that would be uh, very beneficial to them.
1: Who have you got coming to help you, Coach?
5: Well, um, you may know him as Master P. Um, um, Percy and I played AAU basketball together in the city, and we both went on to. Um, we obviously we we struggled, you know, coming growing up, but we also w- we had before the opportunity through education and basketball to experience a lot of different things, and we both went over to have success in, in different careers. But we know it's it's this is a good opportunity to come back, you know. Show these kids that there there is a chance for them, and opportunity for them, you know, outside of the things that they're seeing in their surroundings, and and they have a chance to be successful. And we think we can we can be a big part of that,
1: Coach. How do you how do you connect with them, you know, a group of folks who who may see you and, and see Percy and say, yeah, you guys that that's great for you guys, but I just don't see how we're going to get the same break you are. How do you connect with them and say, yeah, actually, you can,
5: because I. I was right there in that seat. I was right there where you are, and that's the thing we, we want to really um, press upon these kids. We were there. Everything you may be going through, we've been through something, maybe similar things or something like it, and through hard work and and people reaching back and you know reaching out a hand and helping us and and, and kind of keeping us on track gave us a, the opportunity to be able to um, experience some different things and see that there there was opportunity for us. But it, it came with hard work, mm-hmm. you know, and dedication. And, and drive, and, and we think we, we, we know there's kids that have that. We just want to tap into it.
1: So give me the rundown of the program. How's Friday going to look for these folks?
5: Well, we, we're going to start first. Um, you know, the, the whole program is about exposing these kids to different. We know not every kid will go to college, so we have you know things set up where they'll go um, meet with cement layers. We'll, they'll go with, with contractors, um, welders, kids that may want to work with their hands. But we also know that there are some athletes in, in the group, and our first kickoff will be they'll, they'll come to shoot around. And what we want to do is give them, a, when they watch the game that, that evening, they have a broader view of what guys go through. So you want to be an athlete. This is some of the things we have to do. So as a team, we'll show them how we will prepare for the games, how the guys get their, their morning workouts in. And then we'll have, in the evening, those, those guys, the um, coach will come in. We'll, we'll have some guys come in yep. and speak to them um, prior to the game. But then they'll watch the game that night. So I'll hopefully give them a chance to experience the whole um, um, process that we go through as players as well as a team to get prepared for a game.
1: Robert, I know how passionate you are about this, how personal this is for you. But at the same time, when it comes to heavy lifting, projects like these and the others that you're involved in, it takes help. So. If there is someone who'd like to help the Robert Pack Foundation or the Hope program that comes from that, how can they do so? And maybe even if, if perhaps there's a young person out there that isn't uh, able to participate on Friday, will there be something in the future? Well, definitely.
5: Right now we've identified these kids for this pilot year, and those will be the kids that will be there. But moving forward, we'll be through um, um, the Robert, uh, Robert Pack Foundation uh, at gmail.com. It's, it's a way to, to, to get in contact with us. Um, We'll, we'll also have um, different things going out throughout the year that we'll we'll be putting out to, to other kids that can maybe not be a, a part of the group for moving on in throughout the year, but events that they'll be able to participate in, and we, we're looking forward to trying to touch as many kids as possible.
1: Okay, sounds great. Here's to a great Friday for everybody involved.
5: Absolutely, looking yep. forward to it. Thank you.
1: All right, again, I hope that you caught the email that uh, Coach Pack shared with you during our visit. Uh, otherwise, you can contact us over here, and we'll give you more information about what he's doing Uh, with some other folks around town in trying to impact in a very, very positive way our youth. Tomorrow's Black and Blue Report features John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com. He'll wrap up tonight's football game between the Saints and the Panthers. Daniel and Cassie are hosting tomorrow. They'll also set the stage for the uh, ball game against the Trailblazers and Saturday against the Charlotte Hornets. Too. Hope you'll join us tomorrow for the Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Our thanks to uh, Ian Eagle today, Ben Gulliver from Sports Illustrated, and Coach Pack as well. Black and gold, here we go. Go Saints tonight, and everybody have a great rest of your Thursday. I hope that we are speaking of good news tomorrow. See you everybody.
0: Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report, presented by ABC Insurance Agencies a better choice for insurance. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at noon central or at your convenience exclusively online at pelicans.com and neworleansaints.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.